Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Desi VC Podcast. I'm your host Akash Pat, and each week I bring you angel investors and venture capitalists investing in the tech landscape in India. Continuing our mini series where we will be featuring growth stage investors here on the podcast. Today with me on the show is Mohanjit Jolly. Mohanjit is the managing partner of Iron Pillar Fund. Iron Pillar is a growth capital fund for tech entrepreneurs building from India for the world. Mohanjit himself has been working with and investing in technology startups both in the United States and in India for the last 20 years. He is one of the very few VCs who has been on ground as a partner in India and in Silicon Valley. His personal investments at Iron Pillar are Sibros, Jiffy, Unifor, Wyom, Usher and Corestack. Prior to founding Iron Pillar, Mohanjit served as a partner at DFJ for 9 years, establishing their India operations, overseeing their India venture portfolio and coordinating BizDev efforts. with fortune 500 companies for dfj's global portfolio and prior to that he was a partner at garage technology ventures a silicon valley seed stage vc firm so clearly mohanjit brings a lot of experience both working in venture and understanding how global companies can approach growth both through capital and through business development and that's one of the things that we will be touching upon in today's conversation as well he's got a wealth of experience and we had a great time just sitting and having a conversation very candidly about venture capital and how it operates from an india context and in here in the silicon valley i hope you all have a great time listening to it as much as i did having a conversation with mohanjit so without further ado let's head in and listen to mohanjit and his vast experience in venture Monty Jolly also known to many people including myself as just sir or sirji welcome to the podcast how are you doing today i am doing well thank you please don't refer to me as sirji makes me feel old <laughs> i know you brought this up when we met last time around so i made it a point to bring that in my introduction <laughs> there are many things that i could have kick started today's episode with but uh, one of the things that really stood out to me when i was reading your blog was the name of your fund right iron pillar and we kind of like now know what it stands for and why you and the team ended up choosing it and what it symbolizes in the larger context of things it's not that easy to build funds today especially in a country which is ever so changing a market that's ever so changing especially in a sector that you guys are investing into so what have been your learnings in the last few years of you running iron pillar while investing in india and here in the us Yeah I know it's a brilliant question and look um <clears throat> you know I give all the credit to Anand my my co-founder I mean Iron Pillar was really his dream his vision that he had been pondering um going back to 2014 and uh, and and the reason he came up with the name <clears throat> is because we wanted just like you alluded to uh, have Iron Pillar withstand the test of time untarnished just like uh, the monument and and you know i often tell entrepreneurs i say look you guys think you have it tough which they do right they they spend it could be 3 4 5 6 months uh in a raising capital uh each and every time you know in our case it was it was not that different if anything it was more difficult 
so if you think about it, a first-time team and a first-time fund is about as difficult as it gets in terms of raising money in our business as, as a GP, as a, as a venture capital firm. But you know, we fundamentally believed in, uh, in the evolution of the market, in the role we could play, in the differentiated offering that we had uh, from the ground up and filling this gap in sort of the series B and C stage. And, and there was enough conviction there was enough of a funnel in terms of uh, you know high quality entrepreneurs that we were meeting and and we realizing that the gap existed. Heck, I mean, I was in India between 2007 and 2012 making early stage bets, and this was precisely the chasm that I would run into. So when Anand came and pitched me on, on the idea, I told him, you know what, you're pitching the you know you're preaching to the choir. And, uh, but I also told him, I said, look, the best and worst of times I've had in my career are because of people. And so while he and I had known each other, you know, from his early Sequoia days and my early DFJ days in Bangalore, we had never done a deal together. We'd never really gotten to know each other. So we said, let's date. And that's what we did throughout, uh, you know, throughout 15 before, before launching Iron Pillar in, uh, in, in, in 2016. But, you know, it was a 18 month journey to raise our first fund, right? And so if you think about it, giving up cushy gigs, the opportunity cost, all of that, just like entrepreneurs, we had to have a fundamental belief in what we were doing. And, uh, and, and, and that belief you know, kept, us, kept us going. The entrepreneurs we met kept us going. The early investors who backed us kept us going. And uh, eventually, you know, we got to, it wasn't, uh, you know, it, it was not the, um, I guess the railways example, it's not the TGV or the ultra fast train. It's sort of the, the in Hindi, they call it Malgari. You know, it's just the, the goods train that eventually makes progress and gets to, the, uh, gets to the destination. And after that, incredibly enough, you know, the journey did get uh, slightly easier because once we had the, 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 uh, the portfolio constructed, we could show progress. We raised a top-up fund where, you know, investors could get uh, insight into these companies and, and dig into the science a little bit rather than just the art of investing. And, uh, and we were off uh, you know, to the races, but, but the start was anything but trivial. But again, hats off to my, uh, you know, uh, to Ananda specifically for coming up with a name, for having the conviction to, uh, to you know, get me on board and, and get going. So you talked about two things here and that kind of stood out to me. One is when the fund was formed, 2016, which was perhaps the first high that Indian startup ecosystem had seen. And this is where the conviction kind of like came in, right? This is, we've seen the early stage VC funds do a fantastic job getting companies from, you know, zero to perhaps like say one. Now the yep. one to 10 journey is where the opportunity was. And that's kind of like where you saw. Exactly. Now comparing your time in 2016, when the fund started or the conversations around the fund began to now where Indian ecosystem is at a different point and you can perhaps call in 2021 as the year where we'll we'll see a lot more companies going public from here on in the next four years five years that will obviously drive back capital into the ecosystem so we're at a different stage altogether and a lot has changed just in five years how have you looked at both and reevaluated your own investing styles and your own investing criteria and told yourself that this, yes, of course, it gave us conviction with that initial thesis, but how do we evolve our thesis now, taking a look at the next decade that's coming ahead of us? 
No, brilliant question. I mean, look, uh, you know, venture capital by by definition is uh, an evolving animal. There are ebbs and flows. And yes, 2016 versus 2021, uh, you know, we might as well have been, you know, 50 years ago rather than just five years ago, right? In terms right. of everything that's changed. Yeah. Um, fundamentally, you know, it comes down to the entrepreneur. Okay. What I mean by that is uh, capital is always available. Now there could be mountains, there could be hills, or there could be, you know, little piles of, of, of capital and they will find their way to quality entrepreneurs. Right now, there is a liquidity gush. And, and, and as a result, you know, while in 2016, we may have been the first, let's say, homegrown mid-stage firm. Now there are multiple entities. There are also, of course, you know, the Tiger and the SoftBank vision effect, whatever you want to call it. And, and known funds, right, have raised uh, a ton of capital. And, and, and quite honestly, you know, when I first started investing in 2007, when I moved to, to Bangalore with DFJ, I called it, you know, sort of the end of the tourist VC uh, phase of, of, of the ecosystem development. And then we were moving into the satellite VC phase of, of, of venture development in, in India. And satellite meaning people like myself and Alok Mittal and Sandeep Murthy and folks who were planted in India as, as an offshoot of the Sandhill, you know, venture firm. But, um, but, you know, now we're in this all-in phase, right? When, when Sequoia and, and, and Matrix and Excel and everybody came. But interestingly enough, there's now a second wave of tourist VCs. There's GGV and Insight and General Catalyst and, and you know, KOTU and, and others that actually don't have a phys physical presence on the ground, but are investing a ton of capital, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the country. And so when you have this level of noise, perceived competition, you know, how do you stand out? How do you make sure that the best entrepreneurs actually come and find Iron Pillar rather than go to another name that may have much higher, you know, brand recall, right? And so the, the good news in all of this is, you know, Anand Ashok and I are, in my case, north of 50 you know, in, in, in their cases, uh, late 40s or, again, early 50s uh, in, in Ashok's case. So we've been there, right? So we are self-aware. We know what we know. We know what we don't know. And so what we've done is been very, very creative in terms of how do we deliver value for that entrepreneur? So our universe revolves around that entrepreneur. And so one of the initiatives that, that we're very proud of is something we call the Iron Pillar Network, IPN where we invited roughly 30 public company CXOs, uh, you know, serial entrepreneurs, um, a couple of academics plus entrepreneurs sort of combinations who are either functional experts or domain experts. And we had them basically sign on the dotted line and say, you know, you will spend X number of hours on a quarterly or annual basis with either our prospects or our portfolio companies. So what does that do? That makes us look much bigger than we actually are. The iron pillar fabric, as a result, brings in people who've been there, done that into the fold and become the extension of our teams. And entrepreneurs love that, right? So we help open those doors. We help make those customer and partner uh, you know, connections. We help hire uh, team members and then provide access once they're in the portfolio, access to downstream you know, capital through very bespoke uh, introductions. So that actually ends up having a virtuous effect. What do I mean by that? 
entrepreneurs in turn become our ambassadors, right? So a Sean from Fresh to Home will at a drop of a, a hat, pick up the phone and call you know, somebody as a reference. Uh, Shri from Servify uh, will do the same. Umesh from Uniform. I mean, you look at these folks who have, you know, we got in when, when they were still relatively small. And over the last, <coughs> excuse me, just two or three years, they've just hit a massive uh, inflection. And, and we don't want to take all the credit, but we did, you know, we, we do get involved. We roll up our sleeves. We have either weekly or, or you know, uh, every other week sort of standing calls with the heads of sales saying, take us through your, uh, your funnel. Where can we open doors? Where can we give a nudge based on, uh, you know, who you have on that list? So, you know, that level of involvement and sort of hands-on, if you will, partnership with the entrepreneurs is really what the venture business is all about at the end of the day, right? And we have the luxury, and I, I, I say that, uh, you know, authentically, we have the luxury because our portfolio is relatively um, small compared to, you know, a seed stage fund may have to make, you know, 30, 40, 50 bets, right? To have enough shots on goal, given the, the mortality rate. We, on the other hand, get in post a product market fit, typically when companies are doing four or 5 million in ARR and growing at least 100% year on year. So we're going after, you know, companies that are going to have this sort of line of sight to 100 million plus ARR and therefore, you know, a billion dollar kind of uh, enterprise valuation. But to come back to your question, the way we win these deals, the, the reason why uh, entrepreneurs want us on their cap table is because of, you know, quantifiable value that we deliver. And IPN, this Iron Pillar Network, is just one instantiation of how we make that happen. I'm glad you brought up IPM because I'm guessing when you initially started the fund, this network was not something that you had kept in mind. And this is something that's happened over the course of the last five years because of the evolution that's come about in the ecosystem. And the fact that today fund managers, as well as founders, as well as LPs, the key stakeholders who are part of this ecosystem, realize the importance of support and support in, by all means and in every form and a form that actually helps you along your journey as a fund manager and for them as a founder and for LPs and, of course, nurturing an ecosystem. What are the challenges in terms of building a network out like this? Because it might not have been easy, right, to even recognize a need for an ecosystem, need for a support system. A lot of people think about this, but executing it is very difficult. And then you've seen a lot of people try to do this here in the Valley. Some of them may be successful. India obviously is known to like looking at the West and trying to build something of its own back home. But I'm sure it must've been a huge challenge for you to have done this at the early stages. So what were your learnings, both from trying to make this a successful network, but also challenges where you felt, hey, you know what, we're kind of like second doubting ourselves if this is even needed. You know, it's, it's uh, very interesting you asked that question. So. Look, every VC, uh, as an entrepreneur pitches a VC, will say, look, we know a bunch of people. We can deliver this value. And they do. I mean, they, they, they know these people. And a lot of you know, VCs will put logos or, or headshots of known entities, right? Um, you know, Fortune 100 kind of CXO types. And the reality is, yes, they may have that connection. But the other reality is that individual is just not going to have the bandwidth to be able to spend time. Uh, given everything else on the on their table, 
So, so what this, this actually happened um, a little bit organically. What I mean by that is during the fund one exercise, you know, I was reaching out because, you know, Servify wanted to connect with Apple. So I reached out to somebody there. Somebody wanted access to Best Buy. So it turns out I know, you know, the former CEO. So I reached out there. And, and when I started reaching out, at the end of most conversations, uh, you know, these individuals, many of whom, by the way, we've known personally and professionally for 20, 25, 30 years, would say, hey, Mohanjit, Anand Ashok, uh, let us know how we can help. This was this was wonderful. We in, we really enjoyed this inter interaction with um, you know with this entrepreneur. Uh, let us know if we can help. And after you know you start reading those tea leaves, and you say, wait a minute, you know these are individuals who uh, are are really good at what they do. Again, they're not household names, right? If you scan those twenty seven, actually, we just added one more um, who comes deep from the marketing domain uh, a, a couple of days ago. So you know these are not household names, but they come with an average of, again, 25 to 30 years of experience within either a particular industry or a particular functional role and have been successful multiple times. And so what, what we tried to do was create this in a very curated fashion. But the, the thought really started to gel at the end of these conversations as and when it was being done informally, you know, folks coming back and saying, you know what, how can we help? How can we do this again? How can we do this again? And that's when it triggered. And, and Anand Ashok and I said, you know what, why don't we formalize it? And it's gotten to a point now where I get inbounds from some, some fairly you know, um, successful folks saying, hey, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of this. Because the other unintended sort of reason for this is they actually want to interact with each other. Because these 28 individuals, barring maybe a couple of exceptions, would never have met anyone else in the group right because it they're in their swim lane right they're just going in a, in a particular direction and whether it's geographically dispersed or different industry altogether or different role altogether you know whatever the case may be and so it's it's the once they started seeing oh my gosh you've got this person and that person you know would there be chances to interact i said absolutely so i now make connections among them mm -hmm. where you know, Karthik Hosnagar, who's the, 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 the Wharton marketing genius, uh, serial entrepreneur, you know, he just launched his uh, media company, um, a next-gen sort of uh, media and entertainment software company. And Sean Atkins, who's an old, you know, I've known him for 20 plus years. He was president of HBO and Discovery and all sorts of other uh, media groups. You know, Karthik wanted a sounding board. Yeah. I reached out to Sean, made that connection, and it happened. So, so that's an example of the kind of interactions that are now, you know, taking place. But to answer your question more directly, you know, there wasn't sort of a prescriptive approach to this. This happened more organically after multiple discussions, and we said, you know, let's go ahead and make it happen. And 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 thankfully, you know, these individuals, either I I, I cajole them, threaten them, uh, you know, maybe it was a carrot and or stick or a frozen carrot like my wife calls it, you know, like I tell her, you know, I'm on the carrot side of the carrot and stick spectrum and you're on the stick. And she said, no, 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 I'm just a frozen carrot. It just takes <laughs> me a while to get thawed. Um, so anyway, whatever the approach was, you know, these individuals have been very kind um, to have said yes. And the amazing thing is, I mean, I just had this happen yesterday where one of them, uh, Sandeep Jodi, uh, who used to be, uh, who used to head cloud uh, at, at, at HP and was CEO of Tricentus till now, till, till recently, 
anyway, I had him speak with one of our companies, a company called Skilllink, uh, which is in the online sort of uh, um, engineering training uh, domain. And uh, he spoke with Surya and basically sent me a note saying, I love this company. I love Surya, the founder. Oh, by the way, how can I get involved perhaps a bit more formally? Right. And that's that's a door we leave open for the you know, IPN members and the and the CEOs of our respective companies to sort of um, make happen. But it's just an example of how this fanning out is happening with the IPN where they may start with just being a quick sounding board, but eventually may lead to, you know, more formal um, involvement uh, between the members and our respective companies. But you mentioned there that the motivation for them was to also help these founders. So is it just giving back or do they also view this as an opportunity for them to get involved in an ecosystem that is, could be very interesting from how it's turning out to be back home in India? Um, or two, there's an also opportunity for them to support the fund as an LP at some point. So is it a monetary sort of a motivation? Is it giving back to the community and the ecosystem that kind of like made them to be who they are today? Or is it a combination of everything that's kind of motivating different people to be part of this journey alongside you? It's, it's a combination. It's a combination. But first and foremost, I mean, if you look at it on a weighted average basis, I would say it's, you know, two thirds or more because they simply want to give back. If you talk to each and every one of them, they say, you know what, I wouldn't be where I am today if I had not been helped by others. Right. And so there is this emotional tug and, and, and they either are entrepreneurs, were entrepreneurs or work for startups. So there is some startup DNA in each and every one of them. Yeah. And so, so that is just a, a pull that they, they have. The second is, a personal connection with you know one of the three or multiple of, of the three of us, Anand Ashok or myself, where they say, you know what, I've known you for you know 25 years, 30 years, whatever the case may be. And and it's just another reason. I mean, a couple of them told me, and I was very humbled by this. They said, look, if this gives me an opportunity to to interact with you a bit more frequently, I'm all for it. And, and, and I was, I mean, that was, uh, that made my day, my, my week uh, at that point, those kind of comments. Uh, and, and look, the, the other is, these are all people who are curious, right? It, you know, there's this sort of, um, I don't want to necessarily call it Silicon Valley mindset, but there is a mindset that exists within, uh, you know, definitely this crew and, and a lot of other people, which is uh, a curiosity, mm-hmm. a constant sort of, uh, I want to be learning and not be stagnant. Right. And so what better way to do that than to be interacting with, uh, with entrepreneurs? So that's the other motivation that they have. And, and none of this really is, is, is driven by financial uh, you know, compensation. Nothing that we can do or provide is going to move the needle for these folks. And so it's, it's um, you know, I want to be mindful of their bandwidth and their time so I don't take uh, advantage of it. Right. I am the, the master curator and and as and when, um, you know, a, a CXO from a portfolio company will ask, hey, Monjit, who from within the IPN should I be speaking with around, you know, organizational design or, uh, you know, sales design and incentive and compensation, whatever the case may be, then I pick and choose and I make that interaction, uh, you know, happen. And, uh, and, and it's, been, it's been just wonderfully received by, by all constituents, um, you know, up until now. Is there at some point the urge to also quantify results when you're kind of doing this? Because 
I get it. One aspect of it is, you know, these are people who you've known, you've come together, you've loved working with them, they've loved working with you. And it's a symbiotic sort of relationship that comes to life. And also there's that whole fund manager responsibility of running initiatives and trying mm-hmm. to see what is really driving value here. So where, where, how does that push and pull kind of like take you when you're trying to like build a network of the sorts? No, very interesting. I mean, look, we're still in the early stages, right, of, of um, these sort of interactions happening. Having said that, um, we have one individual who's taken a formal advisory role with, uh, with CoreStack, with one of our, our, our companies to help open doors within the healthcare vertical. Mm-hmm. And so we are monitoring, right, any of these introductions then leading to, and actually our companies are monitoring, where did the, the leads come from? And did our investors, Iron Pillar, for example, bring this particular entity to, to our door, uh, you know, within the fold into the funnel? Right. And then did that close? And if so, you know, what was the land? What is the expansion possibility, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to be building case studies around this, right? And that's, that's uh, both to motivate, uh, you know, the IPN members to say, look, this is the difference. This is a quantifiable difference we've actually made in the lives of these entrepreneurs. Yeah. And, and, and second, uh, you know, is, is to, to deliver that, that sort of case study and that uh, quantification to our LPs, both existing as well as uh, uh, prospective, um, because, you know, that's what they care about is, okay, what sort of impact, what sort of quantifiable impact did you make, you know, through this network or through your, your introductions and we are, uh, you know, we're starting to monitor that. And, and look, some of these are, are longer cycles, right? Take six, nine, 12 months sometimes uh, to, you know, once the introduction has been made and nudged for that to actually turn into a, you know, six figure or seven figure contract. But, um, but it is moving in that, in that direction and we will be, you know, quantifying it. Now, whether we share it with the public overall remains to be seen, but definitely for our internal uh, you know, analyses, uh, absolutely. That's something um, in the, that we that we do do because we're, I mean, we are detail oriented. We do a lot of analysis and slicing and dicing yeah. of, uh, you know, of, of our data. And this is clearly one of, uh, one of those threads. I like that you're thinking about this from both a data perspective and trying to see how this actually drives results for your portfolio companies as well. Because at the end of the day, as we talked about offline, that's how you win deals. Yeah, we are really adding a lot of value. There is there, there's a deficit in the ecosystem, and um, it's not enough to just address it through capital. Because when you the 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 space that you come in as an investor, there's a whole whole lot of handholding that also needs to be done because zero to one is a is 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 a is is perhaps a space that most founders have discovered how to manage themselves, but it's that next journey which is so difficult. And it's kind of like under, it's, it's not spoken about enough. It's, it's under highlighted in the ecosystem. And it almost kind of feels like a lot of these companies are going through overnight successes, which it's not, that's not the case. There's a right. whole lot of like learning these founders are going through themselves, which doesn't often meet the uh, public's eye. And all we get to see is these fancy stories that are written about in TechCrunch and your stories and pitch books and crunch bases of the world. And we feel companies that, Clubhouse for that matter, or in the case of India, Zetworks, which kind of like just spiraled and grew so quickly in a span of two years and have now gone on to become a unicorn. Like these journeys seem like very overnight, but it's these kind of introductions, this kind of help from investors that kind of really helps these founders think through their own journeys as leaders, as as people who are leading a ship that can really get the investors what they're hoping to get it in, in return, right? Yeah, so yeah. Important. 
Look, it's, you know, um, on the enterprise side, I'm, I'm again, I'm going to give you the, the enterprise uh, centric view of the world. There are, you know, customer um, uh, agreements and, and, and um, contracts that are company making. Right. Okay, what I mean by that is, you know, you, you will hear, especially in the SaaS domain, you'll say, okay, well, our land is 100, 150K, and then we can expand to, you know, some multiple thereof. I mean, we have, uh, because of our introductions, and I can't get into very specific details here, uh, you know, uh, one of our companies actually closed, I want to say it's almost a um, eight-figure deal. Actually, it is an eight-figure deal um, over, you know, a three-year time period. And in dollar terms, so so that becomes, uh, you know, a company making deal, right? So you talk about zero to one, one to ten. That was the one to ten moment, and 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 it then becomes a domino effect. Especially again, if you have a certain vertical you're going after, if you have that lead sort of bowling pin and the bowling pin analogy, then there's a cascading effect. That okay, oh my gosh, you have you know so and so in the financial services, or you have so and so in telecom boom, you can use that to then go down that vertical and get um, you know, the, the, the next set of uh, customer logos incrementally faster. So you, you, never, uh, you should never underestimate the power of that core you know, introduction that then led to that company making uh, kind of you know, customer engagement. Right. So that's one aspect. The other is uh, you know, equally important, if not more so, is people, right? So, so one of the things that that often ends up happening and this, this is universal this is not just an india centric thing is typically techies will build the product right and there's still some level of we will build and they will come um, because you know they come from a product centric view of the world yeah. where they haven't really gotten the the business savvy they hadn't haven't gotten the the customer uh, relationship, customer success, customer onboarding, those are not things that, um, and, and forget about sort of sales organizational design or, or figuring out, you know, the marketing mix that they need to have uh, to build brand, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, a lot of times, you know, a, a, an introduction that I might make, or uh, to give you a specific example, we have a wonderful individual as part of the IPN, his name is Lars Nielsen. So Lars is a four-time seed to IPO um, SDR or inside sales leader, right? So he's done that at Cloudera and Riverbed and ArcSight, and now he's global head of, of, uh, of, of you know, sales development at Snowflake. And so, um, you know, one of our companies, the head of sales, I just had a call with him this morning. He said, Monji, I need to hire a head of inside sales. How do I even think about that? I said, aha. Let me get you in touch with Lars because A, he will tell you, not tell you, but at least have a conversation with you around what you need right. and do you really need it. Um, and then second, he's got an incredible network of people who can be brought in. And if one of those introductions leads to the right person, then you go, you, know, you just you just go from zero to 60 in, in, in no time flat, right? So uh, you know, it comes down often to a single customer engagement that can be the catalyst. It can come down to a single individual that you hire in the right position uh, that becomes catalyst uh, and becomes sort of a company making hire or company making uh, customer engagement. One of the things I'm picking up from these responses here, Mohanjeet, is that it feels like you're very hands on as an investor. 
and it doesn't come very naturally to a lot of vcs themselves right it's something that you learn over time but to you it kind of feels like it's almost second nature this is something that you perhaps done in your past life as well but how do you create that sort of a conviction from a vc perspective especially this is almost like an advice to like emerging fund managers today right like how do how should they be thinking about being hands on because there's always that little bit of uh, doubt in their minds am i getting in the way too much my check size is too small should i be adding so much value should i be focusing elsewhere i've got like 80 plus companies in my portfolio how do i really manage my time that's not a problem that you have because you have a smaller portfolio because of the checks that you write the larger check sizes but it doesn't mean that it solves for the uh, the problem that's at that's at hand here but how do you think about all of these things from a fund manager perspective when you're thinking about helping these founders because I'm guessing the from the other side of the table it's also not easy for um the founders to come and say hey I'm having this challenge I'm having this problem because sometimes the perception is that I'm exposing too much and too many loopholes within the way that I'm running my company and is that going to be a red flag when I'm raising my next round so there's that yeah. there's that battle that the founder himself or herself has to like you know go through before they even approach an investor so how do you create that sort of safe space where i can ask you anything but also know that it's not going to be held against me when the time comes to raise money or when say it's a it's a bridge round because that typically where things can get a little edgy and dicey no it's a brilliant question there are several questions uh, you know inserted within that um so sev- several points i want to make one so uh, and i'll i'll start with iron pillar and then come down to sort of my own personal view So the iron pillar philosophy is to engage early with the entrepreneur. Engage early meaning well before they actually need our capital. Because that gives us some luxury of time to both get to know the individual, get to know the company of course, mm-hmm. and start to, you know, make some key introductions and including our IPN by the way. I mean, we may bring in one or two people from the network and say, "Hey, here's somebody in the edtech domain or here's somebody in the you know future work domain or whatever the case may be would you mind spending a little bit of time speaking with them because that does one of two things actually does two things one if they get excited you know that's positive feedback for us to say aha we should be tracking this company more closely mm-hmm. and perhaps adding more value making more introductions so they get to know us and we may have a chance to preempt the next round right so it's 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 a getting to know it's a dating you know ritual that we go through before we actually make the investment the other side of that interaction could be you know the ipn member comes back and says hmm you know it's interesting but but it's not you know it's a nice to have it's not a must have it's got major holes it got you know whatever the case maybe the the feedback is neutral to negative in which case we know that perhaps this is not the you know the the, the company that uh, we ought to be spending you know time with so the reason i'm bringing this up is we get to know the entrepreneur and whether you know what he or she knows and what he or she doesn't know now on top of that there is a self awareness question that we're always asking which is is this entrepreneur self aware enough to know what he or she knows and doesn't know yeah. and on top of that is he or she willing to listen willing to get some feedback get some some advice we never want to get involved in our companies operationally we never want to be seen as imposing ourselves in any sort of workflow that the entrepreneurs have 
I and, and, and the team works very much on a pull basis, not a push basis, right? right? Pull basis meaning, hey, I need help. And by the way, when we sell ourselves or when we you know, talk about ourselves to the entrepreneur, and again, going back to the point I made earlier, the best entrepreneurs have their choice. They've got people tripping over each other to give them money. So capital is not the issue. The issue is what beyond capital you know, yep. do you bring? Yep. And therefore, it has to be an open dialogue. And you know, I often say, you know, you can divorce your spouse. You cannot divorce your investor, right? And so if you choose me, you're stuck with me. So you better get to know me and vice versa yeah. before, before we get into this, uh, this, this, you know, marriage of sorts. But again, no, divorce is not an option in, in, this, in this business. And so I think it's, uh, it's, it's dating, it's getting to know each other. It's making sure you're self-aware on both sides, making sure it's a pull, not a push and being vulnerable, right? And, and, and so, you know, our philosophy is we're not going to judge you, right? Nobody's perfect. Everybody's got holes. Uh, personally, professionally, there are gaps that exist. And that's precisely why, you know, we are there as a sounding board and, and, and to help, you know, fill those gaps. We won't have and we don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have the network. That, that's why we have actually many people outside the network who are LPs or who are our personal connects who can come in on an ad hoc basis, um, you know, and, 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 and try to help uh, as well. So, but we are, just like you pointed out, we are sort of blessed, at least for the time being, with a portfolio that's not very large. So I can have these standing calls with the heads of sales and the CROs and, and so on, mm-hmm. saying, hey, let's go through the funnel. Where can I add value? The other thing I do is, is you know, I've been through enough crap in my life that uh, I've I've gotten you know fairly thick skin, so 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 LinkedIn is my is my friend, and so mm-hmm. what I tell uh, the entrepreneurs is, hey, uh, you want me to reach out to you know this person or that person? Uh, let me reach out. It could be a CEO of a Fortune 10 company, for all I know. What's the worst that can happen? Either I get no response or I get a no, yeah, uh, which is okay, and I'll find another angle you know to get into that uh, that company. I mean, I'll give you an example. I met Michael Dell at a conference, actually happened to be in India in 2007. And it was a Fortune conference. A Fortune used to, I don't know if they still do it, every other year would have a major conference where, of course, they invited the Fortune 500 CEOs or CXOs to a place somewhere around the world. And it just so happened, I just moved to India. I was in in, uh, Bangalore at the time. And one of my former colleagues, John Fisher, the FNDFJ, my previous firm, uh, used to be invited to these uh, these events. And and John basically said, "Hey, Mohanji, you are in India. It's happening in India. It doesn't make sense for me to fly out from the U.S. You just go in my stead." And so I did. And that's where I met, uh, you know, some some very important folks. Uh, you know, Lou Platt from HP and and Ryan Murthy and the, you know all sorts of people were there. And, and I struck a conversation with, with, with Michael. It probably was a 10-minute conversation. Now, remember, this was 14 years ago. What's amazing to me is whatever happened in, that ten, in those 10 minutes, anytime I send him an email, he replies within 24 hours. I have the utmost re- wow. respect. I can't get that to you know, happen. Here is you know, <laughs> Michael Dell who is, you know, within 24 hours. And, and he, he once told me, he said, you know what, 
we just had that brief conversation and and I just got that vibe. I just got that feeling like, you know, you were genuine, you were authentic. Uh, we, we, we talked about a couple of important things and, and we've stayed in touch ever since. So, you know, that's the kind of formula or that's the kind of relationship that, um, you know, again, the team, um, you know, prides itself on, uh, not to brag about it, but, but to just say, look, you know, we, we do a pretty good job. We're not perfect, but we do a pretty good job in terms of establishing these, these personal and professional relationships that we can leverage from time to time. And oh, by the way, you know, whenever I end an email, usually to an entrepreneur, I will always say, please let me know if I can help in any way. Right. And, 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 you know, nine out of 10 times, they won't ask me for anything, but one out of 10 times, they will remember like Monjeet, you know, you, you offered that, would it be okay if I reach out to you for this, that, or the other? And I do, I do help. So I set aside uh, a little bit of time every week to give sort of unconditionally to entrepreneurs who, who are not a fit for Iron Pillar, but it's just my way of, of, of giving back, you know, to the community. Because again, going back to an earlier point, we are not the Excels and the Andreessons and the Greylogs and so on. So we have this reputational index that we need to build. And reputation, you know, takes a lifetime to build and a nanosecond to collapse, right? And, and so, it, all of this, the IPN, the getting involved with our entrepreneurs, again, on a poll basis, you know, having these sort of office hours, which I do in a little hole in the wall every Friday for a couple of hours, you know, those are all part of building this reputation. And, and you know, to the emerging VCs or even angel investors or anyone in the investment ecosystem, I would just encourage you, you know, to, to, to think along those lines and, and, and just give unconditionally. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a religious guy. I, you know, sometimes I get, um, uh, uh, you know, accused of being perhaps more spiritual, but, uh, you know, whether you call it karma or something else, um, you know, my philosophy in life is if I surround myself with brilliant people and I'm in a, in a gig that, that enables that for me, uh, and I give unconditionally, if I do those two things, good things tend to happen. And that's, you. you know, that's been, um, that's worked for me thus far. And, seems to be working for Iron Pillar. It's fantastic. And you speak passionately about relationships, both personal as well as the ones that you end up having with the founders. And that's so important. And it kind of takes me back to the point that you made at the beginning of the episode. Mm. And I want to bring this up because it kept playing on my mind ever since you said it. It was about how you and Anand entered this dating period for a year and a half before you decided to take the plunge and, and, and together launch Iron Pillar. Talk to us a little bit more about what that entails because today we've been hearing a lot of potential fund managers get into this dating period and try and understand what really works for them and what doesn't really work and try to see if that's a good opportunity for them at that point in time, so on and so forth and, and not. What does go on between two potential fund managers during this period? And, uh, you know, I'd love for you to share what gave you the conviction that Anand, the team, the vision, the thesis, everything else that kind of came in between during this year and a half of, of working together were the right things that you were looking for at that point in your career. Yeah, look, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I've, I've written a blog on, on, on this piece, which is, um, 
you know, there's a two by two matrix that's uh, that I talk about all the time. Okay, and this two by two matrix is it's ignorance to knowledge and arrogance to humility. Those are the axes. Okay, and in our business, and I sit in sort of this fifth order bubble called the country of Palo Alto, where where there are way too many people who sit in that quadrant of ignorance and arrogance. Right, not knowing much, but they think they know it all. Right, I am the polar opposite. Right, so so I at least want to be always curious, always learning. Uh, you know, sort of the zest for knowledge, and and we're again we're blessed to be in a business where we're learning every single day from the entrepreneurs who know much more than we can ever know about their domain. Right, so as long as you have that zest for knowledge and the humility to be able to to, to claim that you don't know it all. Right, and um, and and that to me was a litmus test. Right. When I when I started spending time with, uh, you know, on Ashok is is just the the authenticity, the humility, the uh, the humble beginnings, the the fact that at least I mean, I've, I've made mistakes in my life and, 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 and more than I'd, I'd like to admit. And, um, you know, you you eventually everything that we do in our business is some blend of art and science and even dating, uh, you know, or, or that particular interaction with, with Anand was a combination of art and science. And, and, and art is, is, is more the intuition, the gut feel, the, you know, is this a person I want to spend, you know, the entire day with, is this a person I want to go and have, uh, you know, have drinks with. And, and I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I'll give you an example. I mean, I, nobody else that I can think of in my circle would have done what Anand has done. Okay. And which is, um, so he did not see his family for a year and a half. He left, uh, so, so, you know, humble beginnings in Kerala. He's done very well in terms of, you know, was with Sequoia and then got to the LP side and moved to China and married a, a wonderful Chinese woman, Xiao Xiao. But, but he left in January of last year when we were just starting our, our top-up fund fundraise. And he knew that he would have to travel to the US and go other, you know, other parts of the world, Europe. And um, you know, that's when COVID really started to create havoc. And so he had a little child and what he didn't wanna do is keep going back to China and God forbid expose the little one to, and, and his family to something. And so he became a digital nomad for a year and a half. He just met, reconnected with his family in, on July 16th in Dubai. And I happened to be there and I, I got to meet Xiao Xiao after a long time and, and Eka had never met the, the now three-year-old who had not seen her father for a year and a half, right? Now, you know, there I'm sure there's some in the audience who will say, you know, Anand, how, how could he do this? How could he put his family through all of this? But I look at it from a totally different lens. And I said, you know what? Here's an individual who said, I am, I am going to do whatever I, I practically can for my family, which is you know, multiple Zooms and video chats every single day, but it's, it's upon me as, as the founder and managing partner of Iron Pillar to make sure that Iron Pillar lives to fight another day, right? And, and had he not made that decision, we would not be sitting here today. Right? I would be doing probably something completely different because he would have had to move back to China. The top-up fund may not have happened. The fund two 
unlikely would have happened. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's that. And, and there are several other things what he's done in terms of, you know, just, just parting with economics that he didn't have to, to make sure that other members of the team were, were taken care of. And those are things that, you know, uh, maybe maybe it's because I'm I'm north of 50 and I can I can get a little emotional about these things, but I've seen people do just the opposite. The ego, the arrogance, the I have to, it's zero-sum game mentality that only when I win, or you know, I want to make sure the other person loses because that's the only way I win, right? And that's not the approach that Anand had. And that became very clear, you know, throughout this dating period. On top of that right, more, more sort of um, related to our business that we're in, I was curious, what is his network like? Are our networks complementary, right? Are we thinking about building something great and something massive? What kind of risk reward profile, you know, does Anand have? And what I realized is, yes, our networks are very complementary. He knows people that I don't. Of course, there was some overlap, both in India and Southeast Asia, but but he had a very different set of uh, set of people than I brought. So there was one plus one is 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 definitely much more than two. Kind of an aha moment, and 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 the other was we you know we basically would talk about the fact that we want to go after uh, you know massive companies in the making. I mean that's the business of venture capital. We are not in it to to make safe bets, and um, and 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 thankfully given the stage we're in. We have a little bit of science that we can dip into. We have data that we can dip into. We can do some of that analysis and leverage, uh, you know, that in combination with our, our gut and, and intuition to make investment decisions, but back entrepreneurs that are actually going for that uh, massive, you know, um, uh, outcome. And so those are some of the pieces that came through during those, uh, you know, the, those 12 months. And, and every single time I, I spent time with him, you know, the conviction just kept getting, you know, stronger and stronger. And that has continued, by the way, you know, through the top up fund exercise and now with, uh, now with fund two. Now that's an amazing story. I, I don't know many people also granted that I haven't seen as much as you have. I don't know many people who perhaps would have done that, especially during a year that we went through last year. So I guess when you're also like speaking to LPs and when LPs learn about this, this is the kind of things that kind of like gets them off their chair and want to back people who are in it because they're not just thinking about the short term, but this is something that is a long term, as we discussed previously, as the fund name really stands. Now, how important was it for the two of you to also find similar people to yourselves and your personalities when you're raising money from your LPs? Because you spoke about that, you know, what you found in Anand was the perfect complementary counterpart to, to you and everything that you brought to the table. Yeah. What was missing? And when you're thinking about raising money, fund one, fund two, and subsequent funds that you'll end up raising, what's top of mind for you in terms of this is the LP profile that we went after and how was the initial thinking and what, how has that evolved along the way when you're thinking about the LP construction as well? You know, the way I will say this, and I, I hope my, my my partners, you know, don't don't uh, butcher me for this is and but I think this is something that will resonate with the entrepreneurs who are listening to this. Uh, you know, in your life's journey, there are certain things that you have to do before you get to things that you want to do. OK, what I mean by that is fund one going back to fund one. 
right? It's a it's a it's an uphill battle at sort of a 89 degree incline. And, and we just had that one degree to sort of latch on to and say, okay, we're, we're gonna make some progress. So we did what we had to, to get the fund raised. Uh, you know, it took us 18 months. We have two governments as our largest LPs, the Indian government and the US government that I would never design in to a fundraising exercise for anyone, right? Now, having said that, um, you know, both sets have been incredibly helpful. Uh, especially on the on, on the U.S. front, uh, you know, it used to be an entity called OPIC, Overseas Private Investment Corporation, now has changed uh, its, its acronym to DFC, Development Finance Corporation. But Adam, who's our champion within DFC, is a true champion, right? And so that's an individual that I would want to be with us, you know, for as long as, as possible. It's like, a, uh, you know, an investor's investor. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and, they have actually leveraged Iron Pillar for a bunch of firsts in the history of the U.S. government investing, uh, you know, in, in either funds or in companies. So the very first direct investment into a company by the U.S. government, a la DFC, was in Fresh to Home, which is one of our Fund One, you know, stars, right? We were the very first fund that they committed to as a fund LP. So, so they're basically looking at Iron Pillar as, as you know, guiding them through this maze that is venture capital, especially emerging markets uh, venture capital. Um, so, so, you know, we found them by luck, to be very honest. Um, you know, nowhere was it written that if you are raising your first time fund, you go and talk to the U.S. government. No one ever said. And so, you know, serendipity has a has a. A, a way to come into come into your life, but we did what we had to do, and then you know we want to get to a point where and look we have individuals, we have family offices from all over the world, and and all you know incredible people, but but you know to be to be very candid with you, uh, I mean eventually we want to get to a point where you know we have a cohort of of LPs that just keeps doubling down fund after fund after fund, right? And maybe there's some churn along the way and we want to bring in, you know, different um, um, folks who bring different value, uh, perhaps just, you know, beyond uh, their, their dollars. But that's where we want to be. But, you know, you have to do what you have to do initially uh, to get to that point. So to answer your question, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. I am looking for this impedance match. I'm looking for you know, uh, a, a, a lean in experience when I'm when I'm speaking to uh, to an LP, because what we're saying truly resonates with them. Right. And and, and those are the folks that uh, that you want, you know, alongside you. And and you also want people look who've who've been there, done that, meaning, you know, right now we're in this uh, up and to the right move. Right. So just just a, a, a wave of enthusiasm, liquidity, markets at all time highs, all of that good stuff. Now, I've been through at least a couple of these cycles and we know that there will be a time when, when the hiccup comes. And so it's always important, just like entrepreneurs are looking for investors who are gonna support them through the downturn, right? And be their guides and, and, and potentially, you know, bridge if need be. Similarly, I would hope that we have LPs who say, you know what, who don't run for the hills, 
as soon as there's a air pocket, right, in the markets. And they say, look, we fundamentally believe in the thesis that Iron Pillar has. And yes, you know, we, we go through these cycles every now and then, but we want to be supportive and keep supporting, uh, you know, the team uh, going forward. At least that's the, you know, that's the holy grail, so to speak. And, um, you know, God willing, we will, uh, you know, we will, we will get there. But again, I just wanted to, to very clearly sort of delineate, you know, you do what you have to do to get to what you want to do. What you want to do. That's, I think, a very interesting way of putting it. And uh, maybe one of the most standout quotes from, from this episode as well. But Monji, I'm sitting across from you here, inspired and rattled by the humility. And I don't see that because you're a guest on the podcast and I have to. Um, ever since Vibe introduced us at a happy hour, I've been reading up about you. I've been watching the videos. I've been reading all the interviews that you've given. But nothing comes close to like this interaction that uh, I'm having with you. So it's, it's, it's in a way very delightful and pleasant. But I'm setting you up here for the next question. <laughs> As I say that, right? Hit me with it. Hit me. <laughs> what are your insecurities as an investor? Because all of the things that you have spoken till now has kind of given a very confident investor who's a supporting investor, somebody who is thinking about the long term and has had a great bunch of people around him to really help him get and the fund to where it is today and will continue in as well into the future. But I'm sure there are insecurities for every investor. And I would like to like understand what's yours. You know, when you're looking at investments, when you're looking at thinking about your career 10, 20 years from now, what are you thinking about? What's kind of like keeping you up at nights? And what are some of the things that you, you talk, you talk, you talk to me about and you said, I'm always constantly learning. That yeah. comes from a place of both wanting to learn and also the some part where you said, I might not always have the answers. So what are the insecurities that keeps more Jita up at night sometimes and kind of troubles him? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll answer it with, with two bullet points. Okay, so, so one is a little bit more color, which your audience, I think, might find somewhat interesting and, and very different. Uh, so I, you know, I was born in Ludhiana. I grew up in Delhi, but I was 13 when the family moved to the U.S., all right. So, but we moved in, in the early 80s to South Central Los Angeles. So South Central Los Angeles, um, many of you folks, I mean, the, the audience may not know, but that was the, the epicenter of the Bloods and the Crips killing each other as part of the gang warfare that used to go on uh, during those days. And, and here I am fresh off the boat, you know, and, and, and that's a, a longer conversation over over a couple of drinks in terms of how in the world did we end up in South Central to begin with, but we ended up there. And I was cornered uh, at knife point by both the Bloods and the Crips at different times because I used to wear blue and red turbans. And those are the colors of those two gangs. Right. And, 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 and so, you know, think about that as the initiation into the promised land. And from there, by the way, I went to a high school um, about 20 miles uh, away which had the highest teenage pregnancy rate in California, right? So this is a very foreign concept for, you know, 90% of the world. The fact that there are pregnant young girls in high school, freshman to senior year, who are walking around pregnant. And we had a CDC assigned, um, um, you know, infant daycare center with some 15, 16 infants and a staff of four or five. So, so that was my, you know, I'm, I'm giving you that background to say, you know what, 
you know, and we were crammed into, you know, a typical sort of immigrant story, right? Minimum wage, mom working two jobs, dad, because of a, a turban and beard, couldn't find a job, unemployment was high, recession, all of that good stuff. But somehow, again, through hook or crook, ended up getting a break, end up at MIT, and then, and then you know, go on to do some, some interesting things. And so perspective, right? And, and I try uh, to my, the, the best of my ability to tell my kids about, <laughs> about some of this history. You know, sometimes they pay attention, sometimes they don't. But in my, in my you know, heart of hearts, uh, I've had a, 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 just a phenomenal, miraculous uh, journey, right? I, I, there, there, there were a thousand different times when, when you know, things should have gone or could have gone uh, awry, and, but, but here I am. Right. And so, so just being thankful, just being, uh, you know, humble, I think a lot of it comes from that background, the fact that, you know, parents made incredible sacrifices to get, uh, you know, get the kids to, 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 to have a better life. And so that perspective, I think, is something that's part of my, part of my DNA. Um, the other thing I've learned over my journey is when you talk about insecurities, um, my biggest insecurity is I don't ever want to overpromise and underdeliver, right? So I have to sort of somehow sometimes calibrate myself and saying, okay, you know what? When I tell an entrepreneur, I, and and I'm sure I, you know, I, I miss it sometimes or maybe often, but the intent is always there. I want to be helpful. I want to be helpful, but sometimes I'm not able to make the connections I, I thought I might be able to make. But the thing that lets me sleep well at night is saying, you know what, I did my best. And based on the data that was presented to me at that point, I made the decision that I did. Now, in hindsight, that may not, may not have been the right decision. You know, passing on an investment that turned into a deck of corn or, or making an investment that didn't work out or whatever the case may be. But you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be um, secure uh, in, your, in your own decision making and, and your analytical skills and and the, the sounding board effect of your colleagues and, uh, and others around you that you're leveraging to be able to make a decision. And then you say, you know what? I'm gonna go with it and that's it. Because beyond that, you know, this notion of I could have, should have, would have, uh, you'll, you'll go into a rabbit hole that you're never gonna come out of, right? Mm -hmm. And so you just have to be comfortable with yourself and say, did I you know, do the best that I could with the data that was presented? Uh, at that at that time, and 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 you know that's that's what I do. I mean, that's not to say I don't have insecurities, but I think I'm very comfortable in in what I am and who I am. I'm self-aware. I think I know what I know, and I know a whole lot about what I don't know. And that's why I keep reading, and that's why I keep meeting people, and I you know I learn something new, and I tell people you know it's it's sort of. Uh, uh, an obvious thing that gets missed sometimes, uh, which is, you know, I am a Sikh, right? And so if you think about the word Sikh, whether it's in Hindi or Punjabi, it means to learn, right? So we are by, by mandate uh, disciples or, or, or those who are constantly learning. And so uh, I was, again, telling my son, my 15 year old is that I have the best job and probably the right job for me because I'm supposed to be learning. And this is probably the one job that gives me that opportunity to learn uh, you know, every single day. So, so I'm living up to, you know, my, my, my religion, <laughs> I suppose, in, in some way, shape or form. So I hope that that gives you some color. It absolutely does. And I was going back to 
the interaction that we had just before we started the episode and mm-hmm. all the things that I told you that we may end up talking about in the in the podcast none of that was touched upon <laughs> i don't know if you noticed that but i think that, it's a definition but, of a good podcast and and i've i've distracted you enough to to keep you going in different directions so you know kept you away from the, <laughs> from the core that you wanted to talk about no no but, and i love that and i love that because it just flew so organically and we uncovered so many things about the investor persona of mohanjeet than getting into things that we've talked about it i mean we've you've done so many interviews yourself where if somebody today who is listening to this episode wants to go back and look or wants to go back and read your blogs we'll get a lot of insight about what iron pillar is all about yeah but i'm so happy that today that i'm taking away a different side the personality to the investor that 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 you know that we read about and that's really something that i'm happy that i got away from this interaction because i came into this thinking i want to like ask him all of these questions that are in my head and through this maybe i'll get some insight of so what his investing style is but then over the course of this conversation i kind of uncovered that there's a lot more to the mentality behind that investor like how does this person think and i think whoever listens to this episode or whoever is also wanting to get into venture perhaps now has some sort of a template to think about like you know like a rough template like this is perhaps could be some some things that i should consider from from an lp potential lp perspective from my potential partner perspective how do i think about investments so it kind of gives somebody so a rough sort of a framework and i it's kind of like a happy accident i didn't think this is something i would walk away at the end of the episode with but this is kind of like what i'm walking away with thinking about if i were to launch a fund what should i be thinking about and i think that kind of like encompasses this whole episode in a nutshell no i appreciate that and look i you know one of the things i alluded to during the conversation is you know my entire life um has been a bunch of serendipitous moments right, right. so uh, you know i think mit was an accident i think um you know i i joined mattel after uh, ucla was an accident guy kawasaki called me and had me join garage back in the late 90s that was an accident i didn't apply i ran into raj at luru this partner from dfj judging a business plan competition at the isb in hyderabad in 2006 complete accident and that's when he told me he said i'm looking for somebody to set up our india operations do you know of anyone i said well just like shahrukh khan said in that movie mehuna <laughs> and so that led, that was another inflection then anand approaching me was yet another inflection so one thing i will counter uh, what you just said is you know i believe me i went to school with a bunch of folks who knew or at least they thought they knew exactly the the plan right they had their life plan laid out in 5 years and 3 days i'll be here and boom 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 my life is anything but right and so i keep coming back down to let serendipity you know take its path you'll run into somebody make conversation when you sit next to somebody on on an airplane um you know when you have the moment you see somebody that you think you recognize and you say ah i don't want to make a fool of myself damn it just go and approach because either you rekindle an old relationship that you've forgotten about or you meet somebody new and and that leads to something new and so that's that's become my my philosophy just given my own life journey and so uh while i think there is organization that's needed absolutely i'm not saying you know you get out of bed in the morning and and not have any idea what you want to do but but at the same time let uh, let sort of chance uh you know take its course uh, as well I don't think there's a better note to end the episode on and 
I have to tell you that I will bring you back in the future to do all the questions and the thoughts that we we discussed at the beginning of the of the episode and do a part 2 to this because I think this is a great foundation for that episode like whenever that's going to happen I'd love for this to be like when somebody listens to the part 2 they know what they're actually getting yep. in like this has built a good foundation for that and I'm so happy walking away with this episode and also we're on time you know this barely happens with me i am very bad at time management with my episodes and i often end up requesting i'm so sorry i know you have another call coming up can we just extend it by a couple of minutes but happen to like manage this pretty well but i think i'm going to give you a lot of credit for uh, helping me get there so this has been a wonderful conversation mohanji thank you so much for your time and when this comes out i'm sure a lot of people will great great insights that they can take away into their lives no matter what field they find themselves in Mm. and um that is the beauty of this conversation. No, thank you for the opportunity. This was a lot of fun and I'd be more than delighted to to come back for part 2. Well, that brings us to the end of yet another amazing episode here on the podcast. And after a conversation like that, one has to admit how eloquent Mohanjeet is and most importantly how insightful his journey has been. It's never easy running a fund and it's even harder when you have distributed teams across the globe. And Iron Pillar is doing a fantastic job under the leadership of Mohanjeet. And we all got a glimpse of the kind of fund manager that he is. I would like to thank Mohanjeet again for his time and how candid he was with us on the episode today. Well, if you're like me and you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and rate and subscribe to our podcast. By doing so, you will be notified about our next release. and most importantly you are going to help others discover the show as well i hope you all will tune back in again next week as we continue this journey of bringing growth stage investors here on the podcast until then continue to keep hustling everybody and take care